Be sure to tune into Immigration with Tamina Watson this and every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Immigration attorney Tamina Watson founded Watson Immigration Law here in Seattle and is a frequent speaker, author, and blogger who has appeared in Forbes, CNN, The Seattle Times, and much, much more. On her new radio show, Tamina will take all your questions live on air. Plus, she will discuss and provide insight into the latest immigration news and issues, as well as talk with notable personalities who have impacted U.S. immigration laws or are notable immigrants themselves. Check out her new show, Tuesdays at 10 a.m., Immigration, with Tamina Watson on Daisy 1250 a.m., radio that listens to you. Hello, listeners. This is Tamina Watson, immigration attorney in Seattle, Washington. You are listening to Immigration with Tamina Watson on Daisy 1250 a.m. Welcome to the show. Today's show has a very, very exciting guest, and I cannot wait for you to listen to her. Today's show is all about immigration reform, activism, how to be engaged in um, your community, and much, much more. Immigration with Tamina Watson is every Tuesday at 10 a.m. at DC 1250 a.m. Please do spread the word and tune in. Before we start, I would like to give a shout out to Jasper Singh, a wonderful cab driver who drove me to the studio today. Hello, Jasper, and thank you so much for the wonderful chat we had, and I hope you enjoy listening to the station from here on. Um, and please do spread the word of the radio station to your friends. Um, <clears throat> we will be taking calls if there, are t- if there is time. The number for the studio is 206 414 7674. That's 206-414-7674. So without further ado, I would like to tell you about our very, very special guest. I'm thrilled and honored and proud to introduce to you to Pramila Jayapal, State Senator in Washington. She is a trailblazer, particularly for our South Asian, our Desi community. She has broken so many barriers and has led the way for minority communities, but especially our Desi community, our South Asian community, to have a voice in our society and indeed in our nation. Over the years, she has been an inspiration and mentor to me, and I'm grateful that she's taken some time out to speak with me and to you. Um, A little bit about Pramila. Uh, Pramila is serving her first term in the Washington State Senate, representing the 37th Legislative District. Her home of nearly 20 years, the 37th is one of the most racially and economically diverse districts in Washington State. Born in India, Pramila came to the U.S. by herself when she was 16 to attend Georgetown University. She worked on Wall Street as a financial analyst following graduation and then went to earn an MBA from Northwestern University. After working in the medical equipment industry for a year, she decided to leave the private sector and pursue work in the social justice arena. Pramila has spent the last 20 years working both internationally and domestically as a leading national advocate for women's, immigrants, civil and human rights. She worked on improving access to women's reproductive and primary health internationally and on increasing access to credit in in low-income communities in the U.S. and abroad. 
She is the founder and former executive director of One America, Washington State's largest immigrant advocacy organization, where she led one of the largest voter registration efforts in the state, helping over 23,000 new Americans to register to vote. She also helped organize the coalition that successfully pushed for the passage of the 2014 Washington State Dream Act, which allows access to state higher education financial aid for undocumented young people. She also serves served as the chair of We Belong Together, a national campaign to bring a strong gender analysis and advocacy to the issue of immigration. She has recently finished her first legislative se- session as a state senator and serves on the Senate Transportation, Healthcare and Accountability and Reform Committees, the Education Opportunity Gap Oversight and Accountability Committee, and the Sexual Assault Forensic Examination Best Practices Task Force. She is also the recipient of numerous awards, including the National Organization for Women's Olga Vibes Award, given to a woman who has been a leader nationally on improving the lives of women of color and vulnerable women. In May 2013, Pramila was also recognized as a White House champion of change. In addition to her work as an advocate, she is an author of a book and a contributor to numerous publications, including The Nation and Reuters. She lives in Seattle with her son and husband and has another grown stepson who lives in Colorado. Um, before I introduce you to her um, on our pre-recorded interview, I want to say a few words about her. Pramila has been so involved in the community. She has mentored me and so many other people like myself. She has rubbed shoulders with President Obama on many occasions, with Gloria Steinem, with Oprah Winfrey. I, and I'm, I'm sure many of us uh, listeners will agree that we are proud to have her as a representative. I met Pramila a few days ago, and this is what we talked about. State Senator Pramila Jayapal, thank you so much for being on my show today. I'm so grateful. It's so wonderful to be with you, Tamina. Well, uh, Pramila, you are just a legend in everything you've done over the last few years. I mean many years and you've been an inspiration to me and many others Um, for listeners listening today may not completely know everything you've done on immigration and civic rights Um, please tell us a little bit about your efforts around immigration and and civic rights in Washington State and nationally well I am an immigrant myself so I suppose that's the first piece that grounds me in the immigration story as I came to the United States when I was 16 years old by myself and um, you know didn't go back and have parents who live in India who I have tried at various times to bring over and of course because of our crazy immigration laws wasn't able to and by the time I really was able to um, become a citizen myself it took me almost 20 years to become a citizen by the time I became a citizen, was able to apply for them, they of course were too too old, too elderly to, to come um, from India. So I know it from a very personal standpoint, but I think from a political, larger immigration law standpoint, I got involved um, right after 9-11. And it really wasn't about immigration law per se, it was around civil liberties abuses, particularly of Muslims, South Asians, and Arab Americans in the post 9-11 era. That work very quickly led to actually recognizing that immigrant communities broadly, in a very broad context, 
did not have the power that they needed to have in order to affect the kinds of policy changes they needed to affect. And central to that premise was this broken immigration system. And so in 2003, we started organizing around the Immigrant Workers' Freedom Ride. And this was um, an organizing effort that involved multiple states across the country immigrants from all over the world getting on buses and traveling for 12 days from Washington State or California or Florida or Texas to Washington, D.C. to demand immigration reform. Wow. And so in the last now 12 years since that time, I've been working on getting federal immigration reform law and at the same time also have been working on what do we need to do at the state level to ensure not only that the state, you know, of course, immigration law, as you know, is a federal issue, but there are a lot of things that are devolving down to the state because immigration law is so broken at the federal level. States are starting to take things into their own hands. And sometimes that's a very bad thing. Sometimes it can be a very good thing, but sometimes it's a very bad thing. And so we have been both pushing for progressive immigration policies at the state level, um, as well as fighting off things that we think will lead to discrimination and targeting of immigrant communities um, just based on how they look or what people might perceive. And so our work has been now, you know, pushing to get DACA, which we were able to get, pushing to get administrative relief, which we were able to get um, on a smaller level at the national level. We worked very closely with the White House with uh, organizing entities across the, uh, across the country uh, One America, which is the organization that I started, um, is now the largest immigrant advocacy organization in Washington state and one of the largest in the in the country. So we've been very fortunate to push for and get very close, um, heartbreakingly close uh, a couple of times to passing a comprehensive immigration reform bill. And most recently, um, I worked very hard on crafting pieces of the Senate immigration bill that did pass the Senate two years ago um, that included some of the best provisions, particularly for women and making sure that women were included in our concept of immigration and really helping to outline and highlight why immigration is a women's issue. So it's been a whole range of things that I've worked on and it's been a, a real honor and privilege. The um, listeners probably don't know this, but you are one of the founders of, of We Belong Together. And um, was it in that capacity that you helped craft some of the sections of the bill? That's right. Um, right after I left One America in 2012, uh, stepped down after 11 years, I went on to run a national campaign around women and immigration. And we worked with Senator Maisie Hirono in the U.S. Senate to hold the first ever hearing and Judiciary Committee on um, immigration as a women's issue. And then we worked with a series of women senators Senator Hirono, Senator Murray, and others on both sides of the aisle to craft a number of provisions that address the fact that the way immigration policy has been crafted in the past has actually disproportionately burdened women. That there are, in, in a number of places, very few ways for women immigrants to actually get their, um, get their legal status. That's wonderful. That's really amazing. Um, hopefully you know that the executive action allowed women, mostly, but spouses of H-1B holders to get work permits. That was one of our top priorities, and we felt like we were a big part of why that happened. Wonderful. So well, thank was, you. Yes, absolutely. You. That was a huge issue, and it was, um, if you look at, if you go to webelongtogether.org, you'll see our principles, and that was one of the things that we highlighted, is that spouses were coming over 
extremely qualified, very well able to contribute themselves, but stuck in the spousal category that didn't allow them to work. And so that's exactly the kind of thing that I'm talking about where we did a gender analysis of immigration policy and showed how there are these places where the way that our policy was crafted was was actually deliberately keeping good women down. That's amazing. I Even I didn't know that. So that's <laughs> wonderful. Well, Pramila, just on that issue, the H-4 did allow spouses to get work permission, but it really allowed a small portion of the H-4 visa holders to do it. What would your suggestion be to those who are still advocating for everyone to get it? What should we do? Well, it's it's really continuing the work that's been happening, which is you do not make change. Policy change is always much slower than the people. 70% of the population believes we need comprehensive immigration reform, but politicians are not following along with that, particularly ones on one particular side of the aisle. And so what we need is for people to speak up, write to their elected official, get involved in an organization that's in their area, um, be involved in writing emails. It really, democracy is not a spectator sport and we need people to really speak up. Also, the other thing I would say is that stories are very powerful. So people who have individual stories about not being able to work as a, as a, a spouse, a visa holder, or, you know, people who um, have been fighting with the immigration system for years, those stories are incredibly important and powerful. And so finding an organization to channel that story to, writing that story to a legislator, writing an op-ed about your personal story, you know, that is, I think the more we can make the issue of immigration a personal issue and not just sort of a policy issue, the more successful we'll be. And that's, I would say to your listeners, don't ever give up the power of your own voice because ultimately it is the power of speaking out as individuals that is what leads to change. Thank you, though. Those are very, very profound words, and even I will take heed. Um, If our listeners wanted to join an organization, um, wanted to get their voices heard, um, where would you suggest they go? There are so many, you know, you could literally, depending on which state it is, you could Google immigration advocacy uh, nonprofit and you'd probably find the appropriate organization. Here in Washington State, obviously, I'd send people to One America um, or to the Northwest Immigrant Rights Project. There are a couple of organizations here, but One America does the most advocacy work. And so that's a very important one. I think people that are working in the tech world have particular power to affect their corporation to really work on this issue. So obviously it's important to Microsoft, but we need Microsoft to uh, be even more vocal than they already have been. And so there are groups within corporations. I know I've gone and spoken at the Microsoft campus in here in Washington to a group of uh, over 150 uh, immigrants who wanted to know how they could get involved. So I think it's important to find the organization that is where you are and then and then uh, go through that channel. Um, that's very good advice. Thank you so much. My last question to you, I could talk to you forever, but <laughs> our time is limited. You are doing so much for immigration rights, for civil rights. Um, how can the listeners support you? 
Oh, well, thank you. You know, I just ran for elected office, and so I'm now... Congratulations. A, thank We're you. so proud. All thank the listeners you so should much. be proud. And the first um, Indian American to serve in the Washington State Legislature. I believe I'm the only Indian American to serve in any state senate across the country. So obviously, just um, following my work, con- uh, you know, contributing to my campaign... But there's more information at electpramila.com. Can we spell that? It's yes, it's E-L-E-C-T-P-R-A-M-I-L-A dot C-O-M. And um, that sort of keeps up on all of my um, all of my legislative issues. But also my st- state senate website. Um, and if you just Google Pramila and then Jayapal is J-A-Y-A-P-A-L, um, it'll take you to the senate website. And you can get on my mailing list there too. So... Those are important ways to stay in connection with me. For me, the larger our audience of people who um, are interacting with us as policymakers, the more effective we're being. So I very much appreciate hearing from people, hearing what their issues are. Obviously, I'm a Washington state senator. If I was in Congress, I would be um, doing you know whatever I could to move my colleagues in Congress. But here in Washington... We're also making sure that we're keeping our state laws such that immigrants from everywhere can feel recognized, heard, and um, as if they're contributing members of our society. Wonderful. If, if a listener wanted to get in touch with you, what would be the best way to do it? Um, on the website, there is a way that you can fill out a contact form and it'll come to, or you can email me at my office, which is just my first name dot last name at leg.wa.gov. Thank you. Well, Pramila, you are an inspiration. I hope you go a long way further in the future so you can continue helping us. And I look up to you if you didn't know that already. (laughs) And um, I hope our listeners enjoyed listening to you and be inspired just like I have been. Thank you so much, Pramila, for being on the show. Thank you so much. And thank you for the incredible work that you do. It's really been a joy And it's our honor to have you here in Washington State. Thank you. That's very, very kind of you to say. Bye-bye. Well, that was our legend in the making, Pramila Jayapal, State Senator Washington. Thank you so much, Pramila, for taking the time to be on our show. And I hope, listeners, you've taken some notes and please do contact her. Uh, She's very warm and welcoming and you would just love meeting her. Um, If you have just tuned in, you're listening to Immigration with Tamina Watson, a new show focusing on immigration and everything you need to know about immigration laws affecting you. Tune in at 10 a.m. every Tuesday at Desi 12.50 a.m. I am going to talk a little bit about some news updates now. Last week, or the week before actually, uh, USCIS issued a draft memo on extreme hardship. It's a very important memo that goes towards executive action that was announced last year. Remember, we're going to have a theme throughout our shows in the coming weeks and perhaps even months about what executive action means for all of us. Um, So who does the extreme hardship memo apply to? It applies to many situations and people who are generally subject to the three and ten year bar because they entered into the U.S. without inspection, meaning that they cross the border illegally Um, or they perhaps have a a need to have a fraud waiver or somebody who has some sort of other inadmissibility issue to deal with such as a crime um, that they may have committed. 
Uh, the issue, the memo has been posted and there is a comment period that ends on November 23rd. The memo takes some well-established principles and expands on those principles, giving good guidance to immigration officers. And the hope is that it will help people with their applications. Um, to, to summarize what's new in the in the memo is that if somebody generally when somebody's applying for extreme hardship they have to show that how that how their lives will be difficult if they were to remain in the US without their spouse or as well as how their life would be difficult if they were to go outside um, the U.S. if they were to relocate. The memo um, says that if you can show either uh, or, so either you remain in the U.S. or if you're re- relocating to another country, um, what will happen to your to your life? So it's not that you have to show both. You can show either or. Um, the memo also allows for um, qualifying relatives, meaning that if you are showing there's hardship going to be on your qualifying relative, that that has been been broader now, and you can show that um, hardship to a non-qualifying relative um, that affects a qualifying relative, if that made any sense, um, will be taken into account. And the example is, uh, let's say I'm, uh, I have a qualifying relative who is a spouse, uh, but the spouse has a sister, perhaps, who's generally a non-qualifying relative, but that sister is very sick and relies on, the, on that spouse's assistance to basically live her day-to-day life. That's an example of a non-qualifying relative's situation um, affecting a qualifying relative um, in helping the case uh, show extreme hardship. The memo makes clear that uh, you can take hardship in the aggregate. That means you can count as many smaller uh, issues and make them into one whole um, situation uh, and show that your situation is indeed extremely hard. Um, There are special factors that will be taken into account. and those will essentially be people who are serving active military duty, uh, have a ref- refugee or asylum status, um, dis- there will be a disruption of childcare, and so forth. Um, the memo doesn't go far enough to provide a presumption of extreme hardship, unfortunately. It was hoped that there would be such. Um, but, you know, the final memo uh, will be issued sometime um, by the end of the year and we'll see what happens with the final memo and in due course I will be updating you on it. If you wanted to have updated information, I would ask you to visit our website and blog uh, at www.watsonimmigrationlaw.com or if you had any questions, I would ask you to email us at info at watsonimmigrationlaw.com. I would also ask that you sign up to our blog, which can also be found at the website, um, so that you can stay up to date on what's happening to immigration updates that could be affecting you or your loved one. So we are running out of time, I'm afraid. And if you have joined us, you're listening to Immigration with Tamina Watson, a new show focusing on immigration and everything you need to know about the laws affecting you. 
Um, we will be here next week at 10 o'clock in the morning. Please join us. If you have any feedback or thoughts, we would love to hear from you. If there are any issues that you would like me to discuss, please let us know. If there are any issues that are bugging you and you don't know the answer and it's a complicated legal issue, I do a lot of legal research for interesting issues that I haven't come across before, so please feel free to send them. Next week, we will be talking about immigration updates again, and we will have a very special guest. I'd ask you to join us um, and call in. I would ask you to keep the number handy. The number is 206 414 7674. That's the studio number 206 And jo- join us and listen to the show Tuesday at 10 a.m. with Tamina Watson, Immigration um, with Tamina Watson, Desi 1250 a.m. Thank you so much for joining us. I look forward to being with you next week at 10 o'clock sharp. Bye bye. Be sure to tune into Immigration with Tamina Watson this and every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Immigration attorney Tamina Watson founded Watson Immigration Law here in Seattle and is a frequent speaker, author, and blogger who has appeared in Forbes, CNN, The Seattle Times, and much, much more. On her new radio show, Tamina will take all your questions live on air. Plus, she will discuss and provide insight into the latest immigration news and issues, as well as talk with notable personalities who have impacted U.S. immigration laws or our notable immigrants themselves. Check out her new show, Tuesdays at 10 a.m., Immigration with Tamina Watson on Desi 1250 a.m., radio that listens to you.